We're going to read from John chapter 20 um, as we continue to revel in the resurrection, to stick around uh, the empty tomb and realize what it might mean for us, not rushing on after Easter. We're going to be in John 20, starting at verse 19 and reading through until verse 23. John 20, verse 19 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Lord, we pray now that you would anoint Sarah's mouth to speak words of truth, that you would have your way, and that you would be speaking to each of us. Open our ears and our minds and our imagination. Enlarge our faith to draw from this time everything that you've got to give. We pray that you be glorified now, that you teach us so that we are more in your image as we leave this place than we were as we begun. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Fill us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Should we give Sarah a round of applause as she comes to preach? He's like a proud dad. It's very sweet. So, hello everyone. This is the first time I've preached, so um, I'm just praying that if it's terrible, you'll forget and, you know, we can all move on. Just a bit of an introduction to me. I've met you all, I'm sure, but I'm Sarah, married to Simon, and um, as of November last year, I took a career break so that I could volunteer and give my time to church. So, um, we've got up to lots of fun here. Um, maybe a bit slower than we thought, but hey, that's, um, that's buildings and all those sorts of things. So, so I just read the passage from John, and this is, um, where, if we kind of take a look at the journey we've been on and from our previous talks, the disciples have watched their friend and leader, who have seen do great things, seen do miracles, and um, be brutally murdered, tortured and murdered in front of their face. They were so distraught by this, they fled, and they've gone from being with Jesus out doing ministry and um, everyone knowing who they were whenever they were with Jesus to now they're locked in this house and they're terrified they don't want to be seen by anyone they're terrified they're going to be killed um, and that they've also just heard reports of now that the tomb is empty so they are quite likely to, people are going to might be turning up at their door saying well why is it empty so they're really quite scared Jesus shows himself to the disciples And initially, the disciples don't recognize him. They're so locked in their grief um, that it masks their hope. They are are unable to see the man of Jesus until he shows them his scars. It's then that they see that it's Jesus. They recognize, oh gosh, it's Jesus. This is our friend. And Jesus says to them, he he gives them the Holy Spirit and empowers them to do ultimately what he's done. They say, the way that Father sent me, I'm sending you. We know later on that a lot of the disciples, the early disciples, died for their faith. 
So it's a big thing that Jesus is saying to them. And for a group of people who are absolutely terrified, they are now empowered to go out there, go out in front of these Pharisees and start preaching the gospel, start talking about Jesus. We can look at this story and initially see it as a transformation, um, uh, sorry, a miracle of resurrection. And of course it is. It's amazing that Jesus has been risen from the dead. We've never seen that before. But what's in some ways equally amazing is the change in the disciples' hearts. Through the meeting of Jesus, empowering, giving of the Holy Spirit, the disciples go from people who are absolutely terrified to people who are willing to go out and share the gospel, share the news about Jesus, and ultimately will lead to a lot of their deaths. The good news from us is that the same Holy Spirit that was then yesterday is here for us today, and we can access this transformation. Shane Taylor was, um, you may have heard of him, he's, a, he's, still, he's still around, he's still going, he's still doing ministry. He was one of the youngest and most dangerous criminals in the UK. He lived a life of crime, he started off stealing, um, selling drugs, and then eventually he stabbed two people and went to prison for attempted murder. It was in prison that he said he was so angry with the system, he was so frustrated that when eventually he was cornered by two, police, uh, two prison officers and he killed them both. He then got put in, ice, in an isolation, I don't know how you call that, you know, cell, thank you, Sarah. He was put in an isolation cell. So the only, he didn't have any contact, any physical contact with anyone. He had a door where they slid through his meals and any time an, an officer would come in there, they would come with a guard up. So he had nothing to do and he was, he was considered that dangerous. In his time in prison, um, one of the chaplains there came to him and spoke to him about Jesus. He thought he was weird. He said for him to go away. He said he wanted to be left alone. Ultimately, after a series of events through the Holy Spirit, um, Shane became a Christian. Overnight, he says, his life changed in that he went from being this isolated cell to eventually working with the chaplain. These prison guards that were terrified of him and hated him became his friends. Shane's story is so powerful because of the transformation he had through the Holy Spirit that someone who we would have all discounted and said, basically, this person's so evil, this person's so awful, they shouldn't have a place here among other people. But because of what Jesus did through the Holy Spirit, they could transform Shane's heart. In a sense... Shane's circumstance didn't change. Just like we've seen with the disciples, the circumstance didn't change, but their hearts were changed so that they could face those same situations with a new perspective. Rick Warren, a pastor in the States, best known for the purpose-driven life, says this, I want to change my circumstances. God wants to change me. A friend, friend of a friend had, um, who was an illustrator kind of articulated it this way. He, had a, he was doing a doodle of a character before he became a Christian, and this character was doing cheeky or naughty things. And when he became a Christian, he said that the character started to do good things. He didn't realise he was doing it, but it just started to do good things, this character. 
It's like the Holy Spirit is so powerful that when it lives inside of us, it wants to do good. It wants to transform us and wants to make us more and more like Christ. And this is powerful because it can speak to our current situation. You may be in a difficult marriage. You may have children that won't behave themselves or a boss who's really difficult or a number of things that could be happening for you, finances that are difficult. And we fully believe as a church that we pray and circumstance can change. Absolutely, we, of course, me and Si have prayed for people countless times and we've seen miracles in all those things. But my challenge to you today is I wonder if Jesus is asking you to change your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit so that your perspective on the same circumstance can be changed. Ultimately, circumstances will change for our lives. We will go through ups and downs. We will have hard things. Things will change, won't they? But we carry our heart all the way through, and the biggest work can be within our heart. It's a really hard thing to think about, but through the Holy Spirit, it is possible. It can take just looking at those disciples who were a group of people absolutely terrified and could go out and face their deaths. I mean, they wouldn't have thought that at that time. They would have been like, gosh, just, just I want to be invisible right now. Peter denied Jesus three times. You know, this is, this, these is, this is the group of people that were martyred for their faith, ultimately. I would encourage you not to let life circumstance mask your perspective in life. Don't let it be, become your theology. But just like the disciples did, let the Holy Spirit do a transformation in you. A friend of a friend, another friend of a friend, not a different one, um, was in worship at one time. She'd been deep in worship for hours and she was doing a mission trip actually. And a girl who <laughs> didn't like her <laughs> came up to her and just said, oh, I'm just, I don't like that you did this. And just, I don't, criticizing, really giving her a hard time about her character, the things she'd done wrong, the things she didn't agree with what she did. And this girl who'd been in worship turned to her and said, that's okay that you feel like that. I feel God has asked us to be friends. The truth is that it's so easy to react in a circumstance just how, just react, just get caught up in a moment. But through the Holy Spirit, we can be trans- transformed. And it is the Holy Spirit that is the catalyst for transformation. Jerry Bridges, another pastor from the States, has this to say. We take what we think are the tools of spiritual transformation into our own hands and try to sculpt ourselves into robust Christ-like specimens. But spiritual transformation is primarily the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the master sculptor. I'm going to read that again because we don't have it up on the screen, so it just might take a little while to sink in. We take what we think are the tools of spiritual transformation into our own hands and try to sculpt ourselves into robust Christ-like specimens. But spiritual transformation is primarily the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the master sculptor. So you may be asking now, how do we get this transformation? How do we get to know this Holy Spirit? I know it's really easy for me to kind of talk about these things, but if that's just 
you just don't even know what I'm talking about. I can totally understand that could be quite overwhelming. It really starts simply with inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. And we can do that whether we're doing Bible study, whether we're having quiet time, whether we're washing the dishes, whether we're doing the hoovering. I mean, whatever the Holy Spirit is waiting to come and transform us. Me and Sai are happy to pray for any of of you who struggle with that or um, maybe have never experienced that. And we also do um, Christian meditation sessions once a month at our house, so you're really welcome to join us there. I just want to finish with a prayer, inviting the Holy Spirit into into your lives and into into the situations that you may be coming to mind when I'm talking about difficult situations. If you could all just close your eyes and bow your heads. O God, send forth your Holy Spirit into my heart that I may perceive, into my mind that I may remember, and into my soul that I may meditate. Inspire me to speak with love, holiness, tenderness, and mercy. Teach, guide, and direct my thoughts and senses from beginning to end. May your grace ever help and correct me, and may I be strengthened now with wisdom from on high, for the sake of your infinite mercy. Amen.